Let's pray. God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for this opportunity. Um, and God, we just pray that as your word is spoken, that your spirit would uh, just move in our hearts and, and humble us to be obedient to it, uh, because you are a great God who is worthy of our obedience and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So if you looked in your bulletin, you know that the title of tonight's message is part two, right? Um, and so this is, tonight is more focused on being individually prepared for the mission that God has for us to be on. And we know our mission is to uh, reach the lost and make disciples. Make disciples is, is what we're supposed to be doing. Um, and, uh, but it starts with us first as individuals. We can't be a collective body on a mission unless the individual is, is being dealt with first. And so that's what we're going to focus on tonight. Um, and tonight we're going to be looking at John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Um, and so this is, this is Jesus in the upper room. This is the upper room discourse. This, uh, this, these are his last moments before his crucifixion. And uh, this is what he wanted to instill in his disciples right before he died. These are the things that he really wanted them to remember to prepare them for the mission he was soon going to send them on. So what did Jesus want them to know? Let's look in uh, chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. First thing Jesus wanted them to know is that Jesus wants them and us to bear fruit. Okay? And for the believer, bearing fruit is, is more than just, you know, the fruit of the Spirit. Um, we'll see that it also has to do with reaching and discipling the lost. We bear fruit through reaching and discipling the lost. But, but first, Jesus' mission, uh, sorry, Jesus focuses on the internal aspects of the individual and then starts to focus on what, what breaks out of that, what breaks out into the world. Um, verse 4, verse 4 and 5. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. All right? So the first thing we need to do is we need to abide. We must abide in Christ. We see that, that it is evidence. The evidence of abiding is that we bear fruit, right? It says, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. When we abide in him, we bear fruit. Bearing fruit is the evidence of our abiding. And who are we supposed to abide in? Jesus, right? Jesus. Why? Because apart from him, we can do nothing. It doesn't say we can do some things apart from him, right? Or we can make a few disciples apart from him. No, it says we can do 
nothing apart from him. But how many of us really live our lives that way? How many of us, in reality, go through our day um, doing so many things in our own strength? We're relying on ourselves. How many of us attempt to do ministry, but we do it for Jesus rather than abiding in Jesus? And, of course, we can do things. We can do things apart from Jesus, right? We can, we can get stuff done. But they will have no eternal value. And so Jesus asks us to abide in him. Because Jesus is supposed to be our first priority. He's supposed to be the first priority in our hearts. If we are centered around anything else, we are off balance. Is Jesus Christ first in your life? You can tell by how you spend your time and how you spend your money. How is your prayer life? How is your Bible reading? Are you confessing and turning away from sin? Or simply trying to manage your sin? Are you generous? These are ways that we can observe our fruitfulness. Um, I mentioned this morning that I've been taking an online class, and uh, my professor is named Dr. Doug Cecil, and he wrote a book, and of course we have to read the book that he wrote for our class. And uh, this is a quote from one, from one of his books. It says, Christ becomes the center of our lives only when abiding in him is foremost in our thoughts. Your wife or your husband, and I'll add boyfriend or girlfriend, cannot be first. He or she is a companion along the way. Your children cannot be first. Scholarship cannot be first. Personal ministry, no matter how vital or successful, cannot be first. Your church cannot be first, or you will burn out. You yourself cannot be first. Jesus Christ needs to be first in your life. Apart from him, nothing is going to happen. So how do we abide in Christ so that we will be fruitful? Let's jump up to verse 10. Verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Okay, We abide by obeying. We abide by obeying. Being obedient to the commands that Christ has given us. See, we can't expect to be fruitful if we aren't confessing and turning away from sin. How much of the church's ineffectiveness today is due to the fact that there is so much sin that Christians tolerate in their own lives? See, we can't abide in Jesus if we're not obeying him because that means that we are doing the very things that he hates, right? I had uh, one of my classmates from my online class. See, we, we, we have these assignments and, we, and then we post them online and then everyone's supposed to interact with your assignment and read your assignment and make comments on it. And I had uh, one person in my class try to convince me that... Um, 
you know, it doesn't matter if there is sin in our lives because God can still use us. And, and my response was, you know, that is true. God, God can use anyone, and he does use sin, sinful people. And if he does, it's, it's only in spite of themselves, which makes, that, which makes him even more amazing that he can do that. Um, but the truth is that God wants us to obey him so that we can be clean vessels to be used. And if we're not, often he doesn't use us. And we miss the blessing and the joy that could have been ours, but instead we choose to hold on to our sin. So one way we abide is by obeying. Verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Verse 10, he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Verse 12, he says, this is my commandment, okay? So that you love one another just as I have loved you. We abide by loving one another. We abide by obeying and we abide by loving. It just so happens that loving is a part of obeying, but it's still all a part of abiding, okay? See, when Jesus was asked by the Pharisees, uh, what, what was the greatest commandment? Jesus said, uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first commandment. This is the greatest, first and greatest commandment. But then unprovoked, without being asked, Jesus says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And it seems like Jesus is saying here, uh, as it says throughout Scripture, that we cannot truly say that we love God if we aren't loving others. Loving others is vitally connected to loving God. What kind of love? Verse 13 tells us, Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. The kind of love that we need in order to be obeying and abiding is a sacrificial love. We have to be willing to look outside of ourselves. But that is where the challenge is, right? Jesus said it's the greatest thing we can do. It's the greatest love we can have, which also means it's one of the hardest things that we can do. But Jesus' point is that we... We should not just be consumers in the relationships that we have. If we're only concerned about ourselves, we won't love. We won't abide, and we won't be fruitful. We will have no success on the mission that God has for us. So what kind of opportunities to love others do you shy away from? you are hindering your ability to be fruitful. I assume that you're here tonight because you want to be fruitful, because you want to be on God's mission. You want to be with him. You don't want to be scattered. You want to scatter yourself, right? So instead of withholding love, we must be reaching out and caring and bearing the burden of of fellow believers. That's the context here, right? He tells them to love one another. 
This is where we start. We start individually, and then we move out. We move out into the fellowship of believers. This is who we love. And again, right, okay, so it starts internally, flows out. We obey, we love fellow believers, and then we move on to the next way that we prepare ourselves to be fruitful. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, that you would go and bear fruit, and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. We abide by obeying, we abide by loving, and we abide by going. It says that you would go and bear fruit. We can't bear fruit unless we're going. And it ties into the Great Commission. As you are going, make disciples. But we can't bear fruit unless we are going. We need to have a heart that is open to reaching out to whoever God brings into our life. We should not shut off, shut off our options by saying, I can only reach people for Christ in this way. Or, I'm only gifted with these abilities. I'm only comfortable in this situation. So I won't be able to do this other thing. We shouldn't say, oh, I could, I could never go up to someone and share the gospel with them. Because you're automatically shutting down ways that you could be going, ways that you could be bearing fruit. Or maybe you say, you know, I just don't have the time to meet with someone to disciple them. Now, I can understand you saying that if you're discipling other people. But if you're not discipling anyone and you say you don't have time to disciple anyone, you know, you're shutting off opportunities to be fruitful. So let's not fall into the trap of thinking that we are sharing the gospel simply by the life example that we are leading, right? Because as much as you may be living for Christ in your individual life, unless you actually speak to a person, they are still lost. They are still lost. Your life does not tell them that Jesus died for their sins and rose from the dead. Be willing to have your life disrupted so that you can be on mission with God. Very rarely are you ever going to be in a totally comfortable situation where you know everything to say and you, know, you feel like this is exactly where I'm supposed to be and God put me here in this moment right now so that I could talk to this person. Very rarely do those moments come. They're great blessings, but very rarely do they come. And so we shouldn't peg hole, you know, peg ourselves, say, this is the only situation that I will be able to be used by God. God can use you in any situation. Are you willing to be used? Are you willing to be going? We see in verses uh, 26 and 27, Jesus says, When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the spirit of truth, 
who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me, and you will testify also, because you have been with me from the beginning. See, Jesus wants us to actually speak up, to testify, to witness to others, and not merely live our life in a God-honoring way. God wants us to talk. Okay? I'll conclude with this. Yep, short, short and sweet tonight. Okay? We need to grasp that these things don't happen separately. They need to be happening all at once. Right? If any of these things, obeying, loving, going, are neglected, then we will not be bearing fruit in the mission, in God's mission, that we could be. So the question is tonight, which of these areas do you neglect? And which do you need to repent of? What do I need to repent of? Do you obey and read your Bible and come to church and, you know, not do anything bad but not love? Do you keep everything to yourself? Do you love others but not go? Do you go but not love? And the truth is that, you know, none of us, none of us has each of these facets of abiding down perfectly. None of us do. But we can humble ourselves and allow God to search our hearts and see where we can surrender more of our lives to him. And so we abide. We abide by making Christ first in our life. We abide by obeying. We abide by loving others. We abide by going. And as we're doing those things, then we see the fruit. Right? And in that fruit, there's witnessing. There's going. There's sharing. Just like the disciples were supposed to go and be witnesses, we have those same opportunities. And so God is working on us as individuals. Are we obeying? Are we loving? Are we going? Are we willing? Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you tonight for just for your word and, and for the fact that Jesus is with us. God, I pray tonight that we would learn to abide in him, that we would uh, put him first, that we would not settle for, for building our lives around other things like relationships or education or cars or money or anything like that, God. I just pray that each one of us would examine our hearts and see where we don't put you first and that we would see where we don't obey and humble ourselves and surrender those areas of our lives and to see where we're not loving. God, help us to look to you as the perfect example of love so that we can learn how to love others so that we can go and be fruitful and be on mission with you because we do love you, God, and we want we want to have your desires. God, help us. Change our hearts. Change our desires if they aren't in line with 
what you want for us. In Jesus' name, amen.